politicians are the virus. Yeah, man, maybe I am dumb. You think you're free? You think you're free just because you can't see the cage they keep you in? Fauci jerked off a pangolin, and now we all have COVID. It's us against them, guys. Get out there and spread that love and liberty. Let's go. Welcome to The Dad Presents. Thank you so much, guys, for sharing some of your day with me. I know that time is the most valuable asset we have in life, the the most valuable thing we can invest. So I appreciate you investing it with me. Uh, Please, wherever you are, thank you for, for listening and watching. Please make sure you are subscribed, whether that be Apple, Spotify, YouTube, whatever. Make sure you're subscribed. Please share it with a friend. All that helps us drive up the, the prices for ad revenue and whatnot, so we appreciate it. Now, uh, it's Memorial Day, so first things first, I want to shout out to all those who have fought and died protecting those that they love. Now, you know this show is very anti-war. We take a very heavy anti-war point of view. Um, we believe that all the wars we fought, we've been lied into, but th- that does not change the fact that the men who went to fight those wars did so to protect their loved ones. And there's nothing more valiant in life than dying to protect those you love. So we thank you. We thank you for protecting them, for protecting us, for protecting liberty here in America. Now, we have some very serious parenting things, liberty things to discuss in this show. But before all that, before I can even get into that, I cannot ignore the elephant in the room, all right? Right, I, I, I guess I should say I can't ignore this gigantic hog on my face. If you're on YouTube right now or Rumble, you're looking at it. So we can't just bury the lead there. So you can see the brutal reality of the situation. The dad's skating through life just by being a pretty face. That time is over. I'm going to have to grow a personality now, and those <laughs> prospects are looking bleak for my future because this face is ruined. You see it. I got a couple band-aids on now covering it up, but the dad broke his nose, got 26 stitches that are going to leave a nasty scar and a crooked face hog. Uh, so if you're not watching, but you're listening instead, I can sure, I sh- I'm sure you can probably hear it like in the tenor of my voice. I'm a little more nasally than usual, even though I'm very nasally by nature. It's even worse now because I, I haven't I have not taken a breath through this nose in a week. I've been snoring like a champ. It's been awful. Now, I make a promise to you guys every week to always tell you the truth. Because if you don't tell the truth, then you can't be trusted. You know, that's that's why we don't trust our institutions anymore. They have been lying to us for decades. So I'm not going to bullshit you with some story about what happened here, like some bullshit story of heroics, like I, a baby fell in a well and I dove in to save it, or I rescued a puppy or, or anything like that. I'd like to tell you that, but that wouldn't be true. What happened is that you make decisions in life, and sometimes those are great decisions, and sometimes those decisions are idiotic. And when whatever, whether you make a good decision or a bad decision, you got to deal with the consequences of your decision and move forward. And this is the consequences of some recent decisions. Now, I've I've never been afraid in life to take chances. Um, I've never been concerned about how others perceive me in life. I do what I want and I do what I think is best for myself, my family and society at large. I go for it. 
You know, I mean, I go for it. And sometimes that that ends with like amazingness, like starting a business nobody believed in from scratch and selling it for life-changing amount of money. Sometimes it means climbing a rock face that you were told a guy your age couldn't do. Sometimes it, it, it ends in punching a shark in the face or a tug of war with a crocodile that you will never forget. Or something else amazing, you know? Sometimes it also ends with falling in love with a girl who is out of your league physically, right? But sometimes it also ends with you falling off a racehorse and breaking your neck, me, or losing your life savings in a risky investment, also me, or as you're about to hear, losing an embarrassing fight to your 20-pound pug and ending up with 26 face stitches. That's what happened. You know, you make the choices and you live with the consequences of your choices. And you can't shy away from the reality and you can't be a bullshitter. You do what you do and you live with it. So I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. Now, if you watched last week, you know, last week was my birthday. You know, I'm not a big fan of the birthday celebrations and I wanted to stay home and watch movies with my boys. But you know, my wife was making me go to a PTA event and that's Parent Teacher Association on my actual birthday. And you know, I wasn't very happy about that, but I didn't give her any pushback because I'm not trying to get in trouble. I'm trying to make it through May and June, the gauntlet of birthday, birthday, her birthday, anniversary, Mother's Day, all that stuff, our kid's birthday without any major blunders. Well, I've obviously failed, but that's why I decided to go to the PTA event. You would also know if you watched last week that that PTA event was Hawaii luau themed. So I figured since I was being forced to go to this miserable event, I was going to go all in and have a good time with it by dressing as a full-on hula girl. I was going to embarrass the bride and make some PTA mommies uncomfortable dressing as a full-on hula girl. You know, the whole deal. Grass skirt, coconut titties, lays galore, little anklet of lays. It was amazing. 49-year-old dad, respectable member of the community, business owner, shows up to a PTA event dressed as a hula girl. I thought that would be pretty funny. This is what it looked like. At first, some of the PTA mommies were quite horrified, and that made it even more fun and delicious. But the fun mommies and daddies at the party, they, re- they learned it was my birthday, and they loved it. And everybody wanted to buy the birthday hula girl a birthday shot. Now, I'm not a big drinker. I used to be back in my younger day. I used to love to drink and party. I don't, I don't enjoy booze anymore. I mostly I don't enjoy the hangover the next day. So I rarely drink, only in social settings. But I also am a polite person. I don't like to say no if someone's going to buy me a drink. So I would estimate that I had somewhere between 10 and 400 shots. Somewhere in the middle of that. I had so many, I had so many shots that the bartender at the PTA event, Parent Teacher Association event, cut me off and started giving me water shots, and I didn't even notice. That was just what a friend told me afterwards. Now, that's a bad sign. So the event ended, I don't know, maybe around 9 o'clock, and some parents decided to go out to a bar. I should have gone home to bed, but I didn't. I made a decision. I decided to go out full tilt, full on hula costume out to the bar, coconut titties and all. Now, of course, I'm the hit of the bar. I'm the life of the party. And there's more shots coming my way. Not that I remember any of that. But then some guy who was like legit six foot seven, again, per my friend, per my wife, he started poking fun of my outfit. 
he started testing the dad. You're not going to test the dad and get away with it. So I called him a transphobic, homophobic, racist, because I like to poke the bear a little bit sometimes. And when I get drunk, I get loose lips. So he came in for me and he bumped into my wife and that set me off. A fight broke out and we got thrown out. Now, oddly enough, that is not how this disaster happened. Didn't happen in the fight. We get kicked out. Now, at this point, we're two miles away from the house. Two miles, we're far away from home. And I couldn't possibly operate my phone to get an Uber. And the bride doesn't have Uber because she relies on the dad for that kind of stuff. Because I usually I take care of business. So we walked two miles in the cold, grass skirt, coconut titties, up the hill, home. And of course, she's in my ear the whole way. In my ear the whole way, giving me the business, telling me off. And I know I deserved all of it. Deserved all of it. Okay, so we get home, being a responsible man, instead of going to bed, I do what I always do when I get home late at night, I decide to take the dog for a walk. So I grabbed our stupid pug, and I put her on a leash. That's what I always do. I, when we get home late at night, I take her for a walk. Now, Becky, that's our dog. That's our pug. She's the sweetest dog of all time, but she's also the dumbest dog who's ever lived. She can't breathe. She can't smell. She can barely see. She snores and hyperventilates and struggles to breathe when she's resting and awake. It's an embarrassment. I once saw her walk past three raccoons within five feet of them. I thought she was going to pounce on these raccoons or these raccoons were going to pounce on her. She didn't even see them. So, you know, we once had her DNA tested to make sure she was an actual real dog. And it turns out that she's actually 76% Tootsie Roll and 24% hot dog. There's no dog. There's no wolf DNA in this dog. Anyway, she's an untrainable moron. She's a bitch. She's a bitch. Female dog. She's a bitch. And she tends, like when I'm walking her, she'll run around my legs because you can't train her and she's dumb. She'll run around my legs. The leash will get tangled around my legs and I'll spin around and step out of it. And usually that's not a big deal. But on this evening, it's a big deal. She ran around my legs. She got me all tangled up. I lost my balance, fell on my face. Luckily, I have this big, giant nose, and it broke the fall. It took the whole fall. Didn't even have a scrape on my hand, which is kind of weird. So I, my face smacks off the pavement. I got up off the ground. I walked about 100 feet, realized there was blood all over my chest. I'm just covered in it. I stopped. I tried to take a breath. My nose wasn't working. I reached for it and I realized my nose was under my right eye. It was like over here, right under the right eye. And I knew that was bad. So I grabbed my nose and I smooshed it back into place and then blood just exploded out of my face. It was gruesome. Luckily, I had a couple drinks in me, so it didn't hurt too bad. Uh, so I went inside. I went to bed. Thank, thank God. Thank you, God, that my children were spending the night at a friend's house. It would have it would have been terrible for them to see that. I'm so grateful. And yes, I've learned. I've learned. I know you can lecture me. You can write me an email. I've I know. I was dumb. I'm just glad they weren't there to see it. So I woke up the next morning. The bride was still angry at me, but she was also concerned because I looked like this. And if you're not on YouTube, I looked bad. I was a mess. I was a mess. So the bride's a nurse. So she cleaned up the wound and she put three stare strips on it. And not even like medical grade stare strips, just like straight up $7 CVS stare strips. Stood no chance of staying on. I bled right through them. They came off. We did that for three days. Eventually, I'm like, I'm going to urgent care. And the urgent care doctor said to me, and this is an actual quote. He said, oh, man, this is bad. 
it's definitely infected, and I worry it went to your brain. What? What? He said, we got to send you to the ER now. It's infected, and I worry it went to your brain. And then that's when the stupidity of the whole thing, I think it took three days to sober up, but in that moment, I realized how dumb it was what I did. It freaked me out when he said brain infection. I stood up. And I lost consciousness and fell back down. I woke up in a chair. And after all that mess, after all of that, this urgent care doctor let me leave and drive myself to the ER. Trust the science? Trust the doctors? Come on, man. He, I passed out in your office. You're going to let me drive to ER. So anyway, on the drive to the ER, I had to pull over two times because I could feel my vision tunneling out. Now, this shows you the power of the mind because I was fine up until then. But when he said brain infection, suddenly my brain is like, oh, you're dying, son. You're going to die right now. And I felt like I was going to pass out again. I had to keep pulling over because my vision was tunneling out just like it had when I passed out in his office. I kept hearing him in, in the back of my head, infection in the brain. It's all I could think about was like my funeral. I could think about my children at my funeral and there's like, pictures of me on either side of the casket in my hula skirt and cocoa titties with blood on my chest and face. And, and the boys are humiliated at this funeral because their big tough dad died from a brain infection that he acquired from tripping over his pug in a grass skirt at 2 a.m. in his neighborhood. I mean, I mean, just think about that. That would ruin them. The obituary headline wouldn't be, you know, great dad passes or local businessman and successful podcaster. It wouldn't be any of that. It would be, it would be something like in an ironic twist, Mensa dad comes out trans as a hula girl and dies after tripping over his pug. He is survived by his wife and two children who will almost inevitably live a life of shame and die alone. That'd be the obituary. And that would be the reality. I, I, I felt terrible about that. So I went to the ER. They did a CAT scan. Guess what? No brain bleed, no brain infection. They said that the the urgent care doctor completely overblew it. So that was a relief. Uh, Plastic surgeon stitched up my nose, 26 stitches. Apparently, there's a muscle in there that I tore. I didn't know your nose had muscles. I'm a physical therapist. I didn't know that. Stitched the muscle back together, did some work on the cartilage, debrided all the dirt out of it that had been in it for three days, stitched me up, sent me home. So that's how it happened, man. I'm an a-hole. And look, it it happened. I got to live with it. It happened because some men, this guy, no matter how successful or big of a family guy you are, some men just never really grow up. And I'm one of those men. So obviously I've failed the gauntlet of death again this year. Uh, a second year in a row where I did not make it through the gauntlet of death without severe pain from my wife. And I deserved all of it this time. Last year, I would say I did not. This year, I would say I did. But anyway, I'm not dead. I'm not dead. We live on, we learn. And now parenting advice from this guy. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Maybe instead of this being a a show about parenting advice. It should be a show where people can call in and tell me why I'm an asshole and how to get my shit together. I don't know. Look, am I embarrassed? Actually, no, I'm actually not. I'm, I am not embarrassed. 
I'm not familiar with the feeling of being embarrassed. I don't get embarrassed. And I think that goes way back to like junior high and getting picked on and being laughed at where I just turn that part of my brain off and it doesn't exist anymore. I don't get embarrassed. Now, do I feel like a jerk for scaring my wife? 100%. Am I grateful that my kids didn't have to see that mess? Yes, 100%. And did it make me rethink some of my decisions? Yeah, 100%. But also, I know I will make mistakes again because that's what people do. That's what risk takers do. I, I Look, man, I, I work hard. I make good money. I take care of my family. I've built and sold businesses, plural. I exercise every day. I stay fit. I eat right. I always put my family first. But daddy got a wild streak in me, man. I just do. That's just reality. I always have. I like to go rock climbing, paragliding, mountaineering, hunting, long distance paddle boarding with the sharks. And sometimes daddy likes to cut loose and party hard. But there's consequences to all that. My body's paid for it. And that that is what it is. So yeah, man. Pretty Matt is dead forever. And I guess I got to develop a personality now. So I'm fucked. I had a good run. I'm fucked. Let's move on. All right. I had to get that out of the way. Couldn't just gloss over it because I know you can see me or you can hear me. Um, But what I really want to talk about this during this episode, obviously, is what happened in Texas. Because there can't be a more relevant topic to a parenting show than what happened at that school. I mean, 20 babies were savagely murdered. And and it makes me sad, deeply, deeply sad. Like I've thought about this a lot because I can't possibly imagine what those parents are going through. I can't imagine anything worse than living through that. Losing a child has got to be the worst feeling in the world. And especially in a way like that, where you know those kids were, they had to be terrified the whole time. They were they were left in there for an hour with the cops not coming in. They, they had to be scared out of their mind until it inevitably it ended and they passed away. I, I can't imagine what those parents feel like right now and whatever they feel and however they behave afterwards and and whatever politics they have, it's justified. You can't fault those parents. Like they get a free pass on life at this point. I have friends who've lost children. And when you know someone like that personally and, and it happens in their life and you know, you're around for that, it's the worst. Like it is the worst feeling. I don't know the children in Texas, but you can get an understanding of how horrific that must have been and how if you lived through that, you would never be the same again. There's just no recovery from that. Now, that's the parents. Now, America. The way we react react after things like this, it's 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 sad and it's disgusting, especially the politicians. We could not possibly be more divided in this country than we are at this point. And it's going to get worse. There's going to be more bloodshed in our future. And I've been talking about that for a few years. I've been predicting bloodshed. And not because I want it, I definitely don't, but you can see it coming. You can see it ramping up and it's here and it's been here for a while and it's getting worse and worse and worse. There's, There's nothing we agree on in this country anymore. And it's not just that we don't agree because we've always been divided. This country's always been divided on ideas. And the fact that we don't agree is part of what makes the country great, but we used to be able to talk to each other in a civil manner. You used to be able to sit down and talk to people who you didn't agree with without them calling you a name. 
We don't talk to each other right anymore. We're not kind. We're not civil. Now, over 15 years of putting myself out in public life through different means, I've been called everything. And it is what it is. I've been called every name, but I, but I don't, I refuse to get in the dirt with the name calling. I never have. I've never done that because it's not productive. We're trying to create conversations here. We're trying to bring people together here. We have our opinions, but we try to do it all respectfully. And I don't know how we got to where we are. I mean, I have, I have an idea, but I don't even want to get into that right now. I just implore everyone, let's just do better. You disagree with your friend because he votes for Biden. Cool, fine, man, but do it respectfully. You disagree with the, the, the guy next door, he's, he's MAGA. All right, man, can't you just agree to disagree? That's what we used to do. Do you have to call him a racist because of who he votes for? Now, I've discussed so many times on the show how elites are responsible for ratcheting up identity politics. Identity politics forces people to choose a side and then those two sides focus their anger and hatred on each other instead of the elites who are the ones stealing from them and perpetrating all these bad things on society. It's very effective. And Americans have fallen for it in dramatic fashion and it's going to get worse. It's going to get more divisive. It's going to get more violent unless we cut the shit. You know, I, it, it used to be like you were at a party. It would be bad taste to talk politics. And now it feels like every party I go to, it's a focal point. Let's stop doing that. There's so much more to life than politics. Now, I know this show has a high content of politics in it. It's largely what the show is. But that's what it is. You know, in my personal life, there's so many things I enjoy doing. I exercise, I play with my boys, I rock climb, I go spearfishing, I, I go see concerts, I put on grass skirts and go out in public and humiliate myself. I have a lot of friends, we socialize, and almost none of them agree with my politics. Almost none of them. It's very hard to find liberty-minded people out here in California. Yet we're friends, we have a great time, we're civil. We just don't spend all our time arguing politics. Maybe we need more of that. I don't know. Maybe we need less political talk. I don't know. All I know is when you see a tragedy like this and you see how America reacts and it was ugly, it scares me. It scares me for our future and for our children because it feels like America is headed for a civil war. And I'd love to see a peaceful cessation of the states. I think that would be for the best for this country. But we're getting divided and if we have any kind of cessation, it's not going to be peaceful. It's not going to. So we, we either need to figure out a peaceful way to divide or we need to figure out how to get along. Those are the only two pathways that don't end in more violence. In times like this, we need strong leaders to try to bring us back together. And unfortunately, we don't have one. Joe Biden is not strong, nor does he care to bring us together. In fact, he and the Democrats seem to be using this tragedy to further their political power. All they want to talk about is taking away the guns, right? It's, it's gross. It's gross that they're using the tragedy for political gain, but it's not surprising. You know, we've heard it before, and it's not just been Democrats in the past. We've heard, never let a tragedy go to waste. That was a direct quote from Dick Cheney after 9-11. We've heard Hillary Clinton say that same exact thing. They will, politicians will never give up an opportunity to exploit a situation to their own benefit. After 9-11, they used that to create the Department of Homeland Security and the Patriot Act 
to protect us, and both of which we're still living with, dealing with 20 years later after the threat has been neutralized, because once government gets power, it doesn't give it back. So before we all decide to give up our guns, I think we need to slow the roll. We need to ask ourselves, why are these shootings happening? Why does this violence keep happening? We have record depression amongst teens in the society, record teen suicide, record murders, record mass shootings, record drug overdose. The country, and especially the youth, they're falling into darkness. So why is that? Now, we've had a war on drugs for two, three, four decades, I don't know, and and yet despite the war on drugs, we have more addiction and more death from overdose than ever before in our history. Why? Well, clearly the war on drugs doesn't work. So so let's cut that shit. Um, and a war on guns, by the way, would end up with the same results. Even if you think guns are the problem, a war on guns is not going to help the problem. It's going to make it worse, just like the war on drugs has made it worse. So even if you think that is the problem, not going to help. But more importantly, kids are abusing drugs in dangerous numbers and dying at record numbers for the same reason they're killing themselves and killing each other. They're depressed, they're lost, they feel hopeless, and they feel like society has abandoned them because it has. It has. Our kids used to be the most precious thing to us. We've devalued the family, we've devalued our children. During the COVID lockdowns and the masking, I kept bringing up the point that what we were doing to our children was unethical that our kids would come to resent us for it down the road. Now, of course, I am not blaming the shooting on that. That would be ridiculous, okay? I'm stating that those lockdowns are one example of many of how we've abandoned what used to be most precious to us, our children. We told those kids, you can't go to school for a year. Yeah, 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 yeah. We know COVID isn't really a risk to you, but if you go to school, you might pass it on to a teacher who might pass it on to their parents and they may get very sick and they might even die. So you're going to stay inside for a year. We told those kids, hey, hey, we're going to spend $13 trillion this year so people can stay home, so people don't have to work. Yeah, we know this will ruin the economy and you're never going to be able to afford a house and you might not get a job because we're going to go into a depression. But right now, we're more interested in taking care of what we need. We were willing to sacrifice our youth and their future for people who have already led full and fruitful lives. We could have just told the elderly, hey, stay inside for a month or two, isolate. And then the children could have gone about their business. And it probably wouldn't have made a difference in the death toll either way. That's what the evidence shows. But we didn't do that. We prioritized everyone but the kids. And we do that with everything in society now. We got to take care of our kids. We got, they, they are, not only are they the future, they're the present. Got to take care of them. You know, when I was a kid, I, I had friends and I got dirty. I played outside all day and we had a great time. I had great memories. Now, I don't want to sound like the old guy who, back in my day, you know, I don't be that guy. I'm mostly a believer that things get better over time. And in, in some ways, our children have much better lives than us. But however, overall, Children are isolated now. Children are isolated now. We didn't let them play each other with each other for two years. In California, out here now, our kids can still not see each other smile in school. They're still wearing masks. You don't think that walking around those 
dank halls, seeing other bland faces all covered up all day, every day doesn't have a negative effect on their mental state and society in general. You know, if you want to torture someone in the most heinous possible way, you know what you do? You put them in solitary confinement. There's no greater punishment. A man, a man put in solitary confinement is going to slowly lose all mental faculties. We've isolated our children and they're not mentally well now. Now for us, luckily, we had good friends who I've, I've said before during the p- pandemic, they decided that with us, we weren't going to do that to our kids. We got them together and played very regularly and allowed them to have a, a, a pretty good degree of normalcy. But I know many kids, many in the neighborhood who didn't see another kid for a year, some for two years. Now they're socially retarded. All they do is iPad and video games and they're weirded out if you make eye contact with them. That does not make for a healthy, safe society. Now for 30 years, we've seen violence picking up in our schools. Okay, so of course, you can't blame all the problems on the the pandemic. We've seen this for 30 years. It's been getting worse. It's been getting worse for 30 years. Um, But now it's at record levels. So we need to protect our children. And we need to rethink how we are raising them. Now, the president blamed the NRA. Is it really the NRA's fault? The NRA declared bankruptcy last year. They spent $2 million lobbying Congress. Okay. I I would like to see lobbying outlawed. Lobbying is not good for us. It's good for corporations. But $2 million is a speck compared to Big Pharma, who spent $400 million. In fact, that is, oh, 200 times as much right? So let's think about the effects of big pharma and spending 400 million lobbying Congress. You don't think that had an effect on our children? A large percentage of children population is addicted to pharmaceuticals. So is the problem really the gun itself? Is, is the problem with these shootings really the gun itself? Is it that simple? If it really is, if that's really it, if it, the problem, if we could get rid of the guns and that gets rid of the problem, fine. I'll gladly give up my guns. But we already made drugs illegal. We've had a war against drugs for four decades, and there's more drugs on the street than ever before. So it probably won't work making guns illegal. But let's say hypothetically that guns are the problem and cutting off access to guns would solve the problem. Okay, I'm with you. Let's do it. I'll gladly give up my guns and endure the vulnerability of being exposed if it means children are protected. But that ain't it. Guns are not the problem. Guns were even easier to get when I was growing up in the 80s. Far easier to get in the 80s. But we didn't have these problems in the 80s. Kids were not running into schools, shooting up the schools in the 80s. So it can't be as simple as the gun. Guns were easier to get back then. In fact, in the 1700s and 1800s, guns were everywhere. Everybody had a gun. This wasn't happening. Why is it happening now? There's more guns in this country than people. So if you make them illegal, they don't just disappear. Do you have a plan to round up every gun in the country and destroy it? Do you have a plan to rid the world of gun technology so new guns can't be made? And if you you manage to pull off those impossible tasks, are you going to get rid of all guns and all gun gun technology? Are you going to let the military keep their guns? Because I think you probably will. So that doesn't feel too safe. Look, it would be it would be wonderful if we lived in a world where guns did not exist. But people would still kill each other. They killed each other for centuries in the most brutal possible ways before guns existed. I mean, have you ever heard of Genghis Khan? He didn't have guns, 
but his armies are responsible for more deaths than anyone in history. Anyone in history, Genghis Khan, no guns, bow and arrow. People don't need guns to kill. Either way, there are guns in society. There will always be guns in society. You cannot get rid of all the guns in society, not possible. And technology does not go in reverse. Gun technology exists. The solution is not to take away the guns from law-abiding citizens. The solution is to figure out why so many more young men today are suicidal and angry and mentally ill and want to kill. Figure out why we have so many angry men in this country and fix that. Let's think about it. What is the cause of all these angry young men or causes? Why are there so many angry young men in our country? Well, I mean, I can think of a few things right off the top of my head, right? Like families don't stay together like they used to. In the 80s, almost everybody, almost all my friends' parents were together. Families don't stay together like that anymore. We don't value the family anymore. Fathers aren't present like they used to be. In the 1950s, with all, all the problems in the black community, 70% of black kids grew up with a dad in the house. Now it's like 30%. The same dramatic fall off has happened in the white community. Not to the same degree, but it's happened. And the number one most correlated factor to whether or not someone ends up in jail because of a violent crime, it's whether or not he grew up with a dad. That seems pretty important. The most, say that again, the most highly correlated factor to whether or not someone goes to jail because of a violent crime is whether or not they had a dad in the house. Not how much money they they grew up with, not how often they went to church, not how well they did in school, none of that. Did they have a dad? Yes or no. So I would say that's part of the reason we, we have so many angry young men. No dads in the house. What else? Is it the families have gotten away from faith in a God? I don't know. Maybe. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I'm agnostic. But that might be it because... Now, historically, a lot of violence has been perpetrated in the name of religion. True. Can't deny that. But the lack of faith now, we've lost our religion more than any other point in our history. And the lack of a belief in something greater than yourself seems like a problem in society. If you don't don't buy into something bigger than you, that seems like a problem. Because people who feel hopeless and don't, don't have something greater than themselves to turn to, they become dangerous. Right? They 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 become lost and dangerous. They need something to turn to. So they got no daddy in the house and they don't believe in anything and they're angry. Seems like a a problem. What else? You know, was it the, the measures the government took against us? And I say against us and not for us because the measures they took were against us. The measures government took against us during COVID. Was that a problem? Yes, as I already discussed. That was definitely a problem. We isolated our kids. You isolate the children. You make them lonely. You make them sad. You make them depressed. Kids are feeling a level of depression this country's never seen before. That's directly because of the lockdowns. What else is it? Is it that more children than ever before are doped up on Ritalin and antidepressants and methamphetamines like Adderall? I mean, that wasn't happening in the 80s. In the 80s, there were lots of hyperactive kids. I was a hyperactive kid. Doctor didn't try to dope everybody up. Get, go circle back now to government being lobbied by the pharmaceutical industry to the tune of $400 million a year. If you take in a hyperactive kid to the doctor or if the school recommends you take them in, the first thing they do for behavioral is- issues is push a drug on you. 
They don't work on the family dynamic or what might be troubling the kid or why he's restless or the fact that he might just be a really smart kid who's bored in your fucking government school. If you take him in, they give him drugs. And if you understand drugs like I do, you understand that Adderall is meth. We're giving our kids meth. Do some kids need it? Probably. Okay? Probably. I would say 80% of them could do without it. So does the, the, the overdoping of our children have something to do with why we have so many angry young men? Yeah, man, it probably does. Probably does. Or what about this? Why do these children murderers say that they're murdering other children when they go into school and shoot it up? They almost always leave a note. What does the note say? Well, it almost always says that they were bullied and they wanted to take vengeance on their bullies. But bullies have always been around. I was bullied. I know other people were bullied. I didn't shoot up a school. I don't know anyone who shot up a school. I don't know if that even happened once in the 80s. I'm sure there's an isolated case or two, but we got it happening like every three months. So why is mass murder now a reaction to being bullied? Why is that the move? Is it possible that we've been putting out a message of uh, there are oppressed people and there are oppressors and that the oppressed people should blame the oppressors? That the oppressed people are victims? That might have something to do with it. We're teaching people that they're victims. And if you're taught that you're a victim, somebody perpetrated that crime upon you and you might want revenge on them. What else? How about men and masculinity? All these these murders happen by boys. Men and masculinity have been demonized pretty hard for the past few years. Society's gone after men pretty hard. Now, I realize women need protection and some things in the Me Too movement were probably necessary in society, but they've gone overboard. They've gone in hard on dudes. It's gotten to the point where if you ask a woman out at work or school... It can be considered harassment if it's unwanted. Well, how the fuck do you know if it's wanted unless you ask her first? The rules are confusing for young men. And as a result, you got young men dating less than ever before. They're less sexually active than ever before. They're more addicted to hardcore porn than ever before. Could that have something to do with it? Oh, maybe. Seems logical. It's at least worth... Talking about investigating, you got you got kids spending all day in the basement looking at brutal, extreme porn instead of out talking to girls. They're lonely and sad. I mean, I remember being young and lonely and feeling like nobody would ever love me back, and it's a dark place to be. Now, imagine being young and lonely and feeling like nobody's going to love you back and being addicted to porn and being locked out of school and being socially awkward. Might be a recipe for disaster. Right? What else? Schools, the news, television, TikTok. Children are being divided with identity politics. Children are being taught that they're oppressed or they are oppressors, not based on their actions, but based on innumerable traits like their skin color or their gender. So maybe teaching kids to judge each other based on their appearance, maybe teaching children that that person over there is an oppressor based on what he looks like might contribute to the problem. Maybe, you know, maybe part of it. How about we're now teaching kids to question their gender 
That might seem confusing to some seven-year-olds. It might get the ball rolling in the wrong direction. Now, I'm all for accepting people for who they are. I'm all for let's be exploring this idea of of, uh, transgenderism and get to the bottom of what's really going on. But indoctrinating kids with ideas that weren't there in their head to begin with may not be a pathway towards a healthy population of, of young people. All these things, they're all problems. And they all add up. The gun is the tool. This kid had a gun. That was the tool. Take away that kid's guns, you're still left with the problem. And he's going to find a gun because you can't take away the guns. So let's just stop talking about you can't do it. Even if we all agree the guns, taking away the guns fixes it. You can't take away the guns. You couldn't take away the drugs. You can't take away the prostitution. If people want something, they get it. So I'm certain there's other reasons as well. What are those reasons? You know, you tell me, write the show, Matt at the dad presents. So the elitist politicians want to take away your guns because because if they get the guns, there's nothing stopping complete tyrannical rule. If you haven't caught on in the past three years, some bad shit is happening in this country with the abuse of power. The past 20 years, the past 40 years, it's, it's been going on for a long time in this country, but they are ramping it up like never before. And that's why we have a second amendment. We don't want guns because we want to hunt deer that are wearing Kevlar vests like Joe Ryden Biden said. That's not why we want AR-15s. We want them to protect us against him when he starts telling half the country that we are, we're dangerous terrorists because we didn't vote for him. I mean, he, he, Joe Biden has said that the people who didn't vote for him, they obviously voted for the other guy. I didn't vote for the other guy. I voted for a libertarian. Y'all know that. But he said that people who didn't vote for him are ultra MAGA. He's also said that white supremacy is the biggest threat to this country. He has also said that ultra MAGA is white supremacist. So you tell me what he's saying. It sounds to me like he's saying half the country is white supremacist terrorists. And you want that half to give up their guns? The only thing standing between that guy and ultimate power? Look, man, I didn't even vote for Trump. I don't even like Trump. And that scares the shit out of me. We're not living in a healthy society. I've been yelling about it. So have many other people. Uh, But it's mostly falling on deaf ears and the chickens are coming home to Bruce. Hate to use that corny expression, but that's the truth. That's what, that's what all this violence is now in the, in the past decade. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. The violence is going to get worse because we're not even looking in the right direction. And they don't want us to work, look in the right direction. They don't want to stop the violence. The elites love it when we hate each other. It makes it so much easier to steal from us when we're occupied with hating each other and killing each other. We need to fix, we need to work on what, we need to work on fixing what ill society, right? But that might take decades. It might take decades to fix society. In the meantime, we got to protect our kids. We got to protect the schools. And since we can't stop bad guys from getting guns and we can't, maybe we need to do something to make the schools a little more secure. Put an armed guard at every school in America. I don't know explore all the ideas, teachers having guns, whatever. Maybe we should allow people to open carry so that bad guys know if they're walking around with a gun, there's a price for pay, price to pay for pulling it out and start firing into a crowd. You know, there was a story out 
this week in South Carolina, some guy showed up to a graduation event with an AR-15 and started blasting the ceremony. And a mom, a mom with a little pistol, we're always hearing about how the AR-15 is what they want to ban. This mom had a tiny little pistol, pulled it out of her purse, shot him and killed him before he was able to kill a single person. Why wasn't that story on CNN? You can Google that story. It exists. It happened this week. It's not on CNN. Why? You know why. You know why. It doesn't doesn't protect their narrative. Cops were at that school in Texas for over an hour before they even went inside after the guy and got him. More kids were killed in that side. Meanwhile, the police are outside fighting off parents who wanted to rush in to save their own kids. One lady got in over the fence, went in and saved her own kids while the cops were outside playing piddly whack and, and tasing parents arm the citizens moms and dads aren't going to let that happen out of school arm the citizens privatize protection how about that how about defund the police I, i've been on that movement forever defund the police and privatize policing if this school were protected by private security force they would have gotten the job done because if they don't get the job done they'd all be out of work the business would be out of business instead police government industry, they fuck up. Guess what they say? We need more resources. Then they get more money. They're going to, they, they get rewarded with more money when they fuck up. They fail upwards. That's what always happens with government. Privatize, privatize policing. We didn't take care of our kids. We, we didn't protect our schools and we got 20 more dead kids. But those, those dead kids, sadly, as sad as it is, that pales in comparison to how many we've lost in the last few years from suicide, drug overdoses, and we don't care. And when I say we, I don't mean me. I don't mean you. You guys care. You're good people. I mean, you don't hear about it on the news. How often do you see a story on CNN about drug overdoses? They don't talk about it. They don't care. It doesn't help their narrative. I don't know, man. The loss of children, it shows you how fragile life is. And it makes you reevaluate your own life. What is life all about? What's it all for? Now, if you're religious, you believe that this life is a stepping stone to eternal life. But if you're like me, if you're agnostic, meaning you don't claim to know what happens after death, you know, I'm a logical person and logical people, there's no room for blind faith in a logical discussion. Faith is the absence of logic. It's the absence of proof. Now, I have hope that there's something after death. I hope there is, man. I hope there's something. I don't want this to be it, but I recognize this could be it. This could be all we get. This life could be all we get. And if it is, what's the point? What is the point of this life? I'm I'm almost 50. I, I got 20, 30 years left, maybe, but I might be dead tomorrow. I could have been dead Friday. I could have hit my head on a rock. So what's the point if there's no afterlife? Well, the point is not to have a great career or get famous or get rich or get powerful or spend my time barking about politics. The point, as I see it, is to enjoy this life as much as possible. Enjoy this gift of life. Enjoy it. Enjoy every moment. Live a happy life for myself and be a beacon of happiness that spreads to the people I love. So you got, you know, I think that should be it for everybody. You got to figure out what happiness is for you. And if you don't know what happiness means to you, Take some time and figure that out. Take some time off work and figure that out. What is happiness to you? And don't don't come up with some answer that you think you're supposed to say. Really figure it out. Maybe for you, it has nothing to do with family. Not everybody's a family guy and that's okay. But what is happiness to you? Figure it out. 
And for me, happiness means enjoying myself, surrounding myself with people whom I enjoy, my family and my friends, and doing things with them that I enjoy doing. That's it. That's the whole thing. So that life requires money, requires money to do things, and it requires money to not be stressed about where our next meal is coming from. So that's why I work. You know, if I didn't want a family, I would not be working. I would be a beach bum. I could live on in a tent and be perfectly happy. I could eat scraps. I could be a homeless guy. I could be a homeless guy easily. So figure it out. Figure out what happiness is to you. And politics, they're important. They lead to a healthy economy. They lead to a peaceful society and liberation. But don't make it your whole thing. Make your life about finding happiness. All right, you guys, this podcast is brought to you by expressvpn.com slash the dad. ExpressVPN, protect your identity, protect what you do on the web. It's nobody's business. It's not Joe Biden's business. It's not Google's business. You can get the best VPN protector out there, expressvpn.com. Three months free. You don't pay until the fourth month if you use my code. Go to expressvpn.com slash the dad for those three three free months if you don't like it. Cancel before month four. Never pay a dime, but you're going to love it because privacy is very important to us. And I'm losing my voice in that fall. I also smacked into my throat. My trachea bounced off the plate in my neck. The plate in my neck is there because I once got thrown off of a racehorse because that's how I live. So I'm losing my voice. We're going to have to end this soon. We're going to have to go through it before I'm completely hoarse. I don't talk much about our merch. I want to talk about our merch because we got some great stuff. Check them out. Go to thedadpresentsmerch.com. Check out the t-shirts we got. Um, Otherwise, what else? I got some clips. I I prepared a few clips. I wanted to to share those with you because there's a lot going on in the world right now. It's not just what's going on in Texas. That's the most important thing, but there's a lot going on. Bank of America, okay? Personal ESG scores. You can now go on to Bank of America and find out what your ESG score is. It's getting creepy, man. It's getting creepy. It just They keep dialing it up and people keep accepting it. You remember last week I told you what they did to Elon. I said, if they can do it to Elon, they can do it to you. And I thought the turnaround time might be more than a week, but here we are. And then at this week's terrifying World Economic Forum Conference of Global Leaders and Politicians, the head of Alibaba, Alibaba is basically China's version of Amazon. He had something very interesting to say. Check it out. Developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. Okay. Super excited for this dude to track every purchase I make and grade my lifestyle on that. It's critical because this is what convinces people to accept, to legitimize total biometric surveillance. If we want to stop this epidemic, we need not just to monitor people, we need to monitor what's happening under their skin. What we have seen so far, it's corporations and governments collecting data about where we go, who we meet, what movies we watch. The next phase is the surveillance going under our skin. We are really 
acquiring divine powers of creation and destruction, we are really upgrading humans into gods. We are acquiring, for instance, the, the power to re-engineer life. I can't wait until that guy can determine what the dad's allowed to buy at the grocery store. We talked about that the dangers of digital passports for that reason. Well, now look at this. Right now, you can go on Bank of America to get your personal ESG score. Coming soon, if you don't stop, shop at the right places and buy the right things and use you know just a limited amount of gas, you're going to be cut off from banking. That's complete control when they cut you off from banking. Don't think it can't happen. It happened in Canada. You saw what they did to the truckers. Took their Bitcoin, took their bank accounts, made them non-people. They can take your banking. And just look at two weeks ago, Tesla was removed from the S&P 500. Not for being a, a weak company. They were removed from the S&P 500 for being bad for the environment. They had a bad E score in their ESG score. Environmental social governance. That's what ESG is. They had a bad E. You heard that correct. They got a bad environmental score. Meanwhile, who, who replaced them on the S&P 500? Exxon. Yes, Exxon. That's not even a joke. So this stuff is not even about protecting the environment. That's just the bullshit cover store they go with to get control. Moving along, Bill Maher is continuing his very slow slide away from being a Democrat. He's starting to recognize that Democrats are attacking our liberties. And he's starting to see that liberty is the pathway towards prosperity. He recognizes Democrats are pushing this trans agenda and that it might not be good for our kids. Check this one out. Maybe the girl who hates girly stuff just needs to learn that being female doesn't mean you have to act like a Kardashian. Maybe childhood makes you sad sometimes and there are other solutions besides hand me the dick saw. And look, I'm sure the vast majority of parents do not take this lightly. And that is very hard to know when something is real or just a phase. And I understand being trans is different. It's innate. But kids do also have phases. They're kids. It's all phases. The dinosaur phase. The Hello Kitty phase. One day they want to be an astronaut. The next day you can't get them to leave their room. Gender fluid. Kids are fluid about everything. If kids knew what they wanted to be at age eight, the world would be filled with cowboys and princesses. <laughs> I wanted to be a pirate. I... Thank God nobody took me seriously and scheduled me for eye removal and peg leg surgery. In addition to that clip, Bill also said that being trans, if it were an actual universal thing... He said, if being trans is universal, well, then why is it regional? Because it seems like all the kids in California are trans and nobody in Ohio is. Either Ohio's shaming them or California is producing them. And nothing could be more true. I told you guys about my kid's school. My son literally told me that all but five girls in his school identify as something other than straight girls. That is just mathematically impossible. California is creating these kids. What else? Got some more clips I want to play for you. We got the, the, the Pfizer CEO and his admission on the microchip in medicine, right? Now, this is something that a, a lot of conspiracy theory people have been talking about for a while. And, they, and the news would say, look at these nut jobs talking about microchips in medicine. 
Well, this clip is from two years ago. It just resurfaced, but this is from two years ago. It's the Pfizer CEO. And he's talking about putting a mic, he's talking about a microchip in a schizophrenia drug. Now, yes, that's not the vaccine, but is that supposed to make me more comfortable given what the, the World Health Organization is planning to, to dictate how America responds to a pandemic and tracking compliance by the citizens? The Pfizer CEO admits that they have the technology to make sure you've taken your medication. It is a basically biological chip that it is in the tablet. And once you take the tablet and dissolves into your stomach, sec- sends a signal that you took the tablet. So imagine the applications of that, the compliance, uh, the insurance companies to know that the medicines that patients should take, they do take them. Uh, it is uh, fascinating what happens in, in uh, this field. Now, when you say something like Pfizer is putting microchips in our medicine, you sound like a conspiracy nut job. But where's the conspiracy? He just said it. And yeah, he's talking about a schizophrenic drug, but do you think that technology stops there? You think when we have a pandemic, they might not put that to use? The fact is the technology exists and they use it for some things. What else? Russia's invasion into Ukraine led to sanctions from America and that led to confiscation of personal property of Russian oligarchs. That set off alarm bells for China. And China has told their citizens to get their assets out of America. China owns a lot of American assets. They're telling their people, get rid of those assets. That seems to be China setting up for something bad. That's a little bit scary. Seems to me they're setting the stage to take action in Taiwan, and they expect the American government to impose sanctions and steal their property. And Biden is not exactly de-escalating as usual. He's being a moron, and he's throwing fuel on the fire. Check this out. You didn't want to get involved in the Ukraine conflict militarily for obvious reasons. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. You are? That's a commitment we made. That's a commitment we made. We are not. Look, here's the situation. We agree with a one China policy. We signed on to it and all the attendant agreements made from there. But the idea that that it can be taken by force, just taken by force, is just not is just not appropriate. It will dislocate the entire region and be another action similar to what happened in in uh, in Ukraine. And so it's a it's a burden that is even stronger. Things are not going well, guys. The rich and powerful use identity politics to keep us at each other's throats instead of going after them like we began in 2008. While we were too distracted, they engaged in wars to enrich themselves and evil banking practices that enrich them all on your back and on your dime. And if you had any sense, you'd be red hot furious with them instead of with your neighbor who voted for Trump or the other neighbor who voted voted for Biden. There is going to be mass poverty and starvation on this planet coming up around the corner in the next few years, and it will probably hit Africa first and hardest. A lot of people are going to die. This is a direct result of decisions made by our elite. You know, 1975 going off the gold standard, 2001 9-11 reaction, 2008 housing crash, and most recently with the lockdowns. These blood-soaked monsters 
use government as a tool to create a bubble bust cycle. They get rich on the bubble on the way up. The bubble goes pop. They get bailed out with your tax dollars, so they get rich there. And then when your assets have hit rock bottom, they buy them up. You can't afford them. 10 years later, the economy recovers. They sell them back to you at record profits. They've been doing this over and over and over again. What makes you think they're not doing it again right now? Of course they are. This has been obvious for a long time. This show hits out on it all the time. I hope people are starting to get it. I don't think they are. In fact, I think the common man, instead of getting the fact that the elites control these boom-bust cycles to enrich themselves and impoverish us, I think the common man is starting to push for more government control for socialist type of ideas because they think that's the way out of this mess instead of liberty and free markets because the government controls the messaging. So of course, they're going to be able to control the minds. But some shows are fighting back against that and I hope we start winning because it's going to, if we don't, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. I mean, if you're going to believe the people who told you that we need to send billions to Ukraine to fight this war um, and that we had to go into the Middle East because of weapons of mass destruction. If you're going to believe them now about the next conflict, when they start talking about China, instead of believing the guy and the guys who told you that the American elites caused both those things, then you might be beyond help. And regarding the economy, if you're going to believe the people who told you that inflation was transitory, that's what they were saying just six months ago. Inflation was transitory. If you're going to believe those people about the economy instead of the people like this show who told you in early 2020 when they did the bailouts that this disaster, that inflation was imminent, was going to happen, and it was going to be bad, then you're probably beyond saving. You're trusting the wrong people. If you're going to believe the people who told you that lockdowns would save us and vaccines would stop the spread of covid now about COVID coming up or the next pandemic, instead of trusting the guy who looked at the data and said that lockdowns would do more harm than good. And I just looked at the data instead of just believing what the government was shoving down our throat, but we got it right. So if you're going to believe government and CNN and state media who got it wrong the next time in there's, that we're in this situation, which will probably be this fall, I don't know, man, you probably be on saving. We need to get it right. We're running out of opportunities here. And I hope Americans are listening to this show. I hope they're listening to other shows like it. I know a good deal of you are listening and get it. And I appreciate you. And I ask you to share the show with a friend who needs to hear it. Don't argue with him. Just share it. Share it and move on. See what he thinks. All right, guys. This voice shot. So we will talk again soon. Thank you so much for joining me. <laughs>